Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Watling and Own Show here on Twitch TV, or if you're listening on Spotify or maybe Apple. I'm not sure if we're up on Apple yet. Um, but we start to show, Matt, with some breaking news that I'm unaware of. And yes. that is, I look at the rundown today, and the, and the top of the rundown, the most important thing on for tonight is a special anniversary for the hosts, which it, it I'm is. unaware of what the anniversary is. I'm surprised you haven't figured it out yet, because you've had about an hour looking at the rundown. So, so you oh, know God, it's like, a certain anniversary of sorts. Maybe, maybe an hour strong. Right. You were busy. Let's right. say you've had a half hour looking at the rundown since you've seen this, this news. And you, you don't have a guess of what happened. I'll even give you the year, Luke. Four years ago today, something very special happened for the show. And, and for us, as, as friends, as you know, best man to, to groom, as, as friends, just- and more importantly, as co-hosts. Was it just the day that we got the show? No, the day that you texted me about this, asking to uh, join Stuck in the Sin Bin. How? Oh, Stuck in the Sin yeah. Bin? Yeah. Four years ago today, you, you texted me September 29th, 2017, Facebook Messenger, Luke. You, you said, should I read it out loud? Yeah, you should. You said, hey, Matthew, my name is Luke Owens. I'm a freshman <laughs> broadcasting major, and I saw your post, exclamation point. I'm a Sabres fan, so I'd be interested in learning more about your show if you're still looking for someone. Thanks, exclamation point. Wow, what a nice guy. And then, and then you said you live lakeside, unfortunately, after I asked everyone to meet on West Campus. Maybe meet at the library. And then I find out that you lived in Johnson Hall. Well, yeah, that was a bad look. Uh, that's why I said unfortunately. That's, that's, the, that's the anniversary. Four years ago today, we became partners in a very special stuck in the sin bin it you know obviously we worked with dylan mcglynn one of our really good friends to this day we worked with mike mccormick who's you know been certainly relevant he carried on the show for a little bit i don't want to say relevant that made it sound like we don't like him i love mike mike mccormick's (laughs) a great guy and then trevor socha was our host for a little bit and he was a good guy as well so freshman why do you know that it was today i knew it was around this time so and I got bored last night, and I, You're I just and I scrolled wow. all the way up. And let me just tell you, when I was in England in, in 2018, Luke, that winter, we we Facebook messaged a lot because that was the only way we could communicate, you know, overseas. Wow, amazing that you looked it up. Well, how there's no way I would ever know that, but I, I'm, I thought I'm you could have figured it out or guessed. Well, I I guess like it was the time, you know, September. I guess I didn't think four years ago. I thought that would have been five years ago, but it wasn't. So it does feel like crazy it was five years ago, right? Because we had four yeah, years it feels of like shows, so this is this is the fifth year. Yes, that's why. But but Luke, you know what is also something that I might have to. Uh, I don't know if this is out of pocket to say, but you've met two of the most important people in your life on social media. That's right, I have. I mean, social media is very powerful, and uh, I, I I do remember that day uh, after we had the the library meeting. I was I was over the moon. I was like, I'm gonna have a TV show. Like it was awesome. So. Obviously, that was that was a great start, and and look at where we are now. So on Twitch TV uh, with one viewer right now. That's right. Welcome to that one viewer. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, we've got a lot to get into today. Of course, it's a football Wednesday, but we'll start with some baseball uh, because I mean that's that's what's hot on the streets right now is is baseball. Um, the Yankees win seven to two over the Blue Jays last night. Um, that also coincided with the Red Sox loss to the Orioles. So the Yankees currently have a two game lead over Boston, three games over Toronto for the top wildcard spot. Um, Jarkov Stanton, another monster home run, three-run shot, also had a double. And he is just on another planet right now. I mean, we talked about it last show, but it just continues. Uh, obviously, he was great in the playoffs last year. And it even had uh, Jared Carabas tweeting, who is uh, a Red Sox personality on Barstool. Uh, he was saying, you know, it feels like every single home run that John Carlos Stanton has hit this year has been in a big moment. And for the Yankees to have that going forward, to have Judge playing well, he hit a home run last night as well. Uh, it's huge. It's really huge for this last stretch. And with that win and with that Red Sox loss, it's definitely not a done deal. But I think you're feeling pretty comfortable right now if you're the Yankees. Yeah, and, and maybe it's not the the one seed, Luke, but you're definitely getting at least the second wild card if, it, if you're this Yankees team. You know, they're, they're struggling right now, down a couple runs to the Blue Jays. But perhaps most importantly, Luke, the the thing that should be breaking news on this on this Wednesday show, the Yankees are going to win the World Series. That's it. Wow. You know, every team has that it factor, right, Luke? The Nationals from a couple of years ago had that whole 
not worse the first, but they were pretty damn bad for the first month or two of the season. The Dodgers finally breaking their own mini curse or their own kind of yips, whatever you want to call it in the World Series. And the Yankees have Bronxy, the turtle. That's right. The rally turtle. This is an amazing story. And, I, and I'm not one for the clown show stories, you know, that, that it feels fake very story. Mets-like. What is it? It feels very Mets-like, but it's not. It's, but it's fun. It feels... Like, this is their version yeah. of when the Yankees were doing thumbs down, the, the parrot on the shoulder thing. I, and I know the Mets have had things like this, too. I, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but, like, this is a fun story where they have this, this pet turtle that Nestor Cortez adopted, which, you know, a guy that looks like Mario, some might say, maybe shouldn't be having a turtle. Some might say Mario, even. I, I don't care about that. I don't want to get into Mario, <laughs> Mario. It doesn't matter to me. I, I'm sorry. I, I'll say it both ways, whatever it is. But this it's turtle's just... awesome. This turtle is so cool. Right. I mean, and, and I'm not even a huge turtle guy, but when I think what sold me was when Brett Gardner said we can get a little mini World Series ring for it. And I think that'd be the most hilarious thing in the world. To just see a, a turtle walking around with, with a mini World Series ring on its finger. Yeah, just blinged up. Yeah, this is an awesome story. And uh, there's an awesome shirt on Rotoware that I was really considering buying. It says Bronxy with like a turtle with like a Yankees logo. It's pretty cool. Um, but look, anything that can help the, the boys rally. Unfortunately, Bronxy did not make the, the, the travel arrangements to, to Toronto. He couldn't go overseas. So maybe that's why the Yankees are trailing right now is they don't have Bronxy on this road trip. Luke, I hate to break it to you, but they're not overseas. Okay, well, they're out of the, <laughs> out of the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I'm just messing with you, but this yeah, is a yeah. fun story. This is, again, you, you add to the team of Destiny, Luke, and, and I called it back in July. This team, it's got, it's got something. It's got some juices to it, and it's going to end in, you know, a World Series ring, or I think it's going to end, if anything, in a horrifying fashion in the first wildcard game. There, there's no in-between for this team. It's either... All in or all out? How on brand is it that it's DJ LeMahieu that just stares at the turtle? Like, he just looks at it all the time. Where have you just... seen that part of the story? Uh, it was in the ESPN article. The okay. one I linked was kind of uh, an MLB network spin on it. But in the original ESPN, uh, I guess the guys were saying that DJ just kind of looks at the turtle. He's just fascinated by it. He just stares at it and says nothing. That, that does scream DJ. <laughs> I, I think that's yeah. his version of just recharging his batteries. He's not actually looking at it. He's just not charging his robot batteries. Right. And currently Yankees trail four to two. They were down four nothing. Garrett Cole on the mound struggled two home runs allowed already. Uh, Marcus Semyon and Boba Shett. And the Toronto became the first team in MLB history to have four players in their lineup with over a hundred RBIs. So I don't all think that it was the first player. Luke. Oh really? They weren't the first. I think cause I was listening to the, the Yankee broadcast and I think the Yankees in 90, 99 did it. Okay. This is a, uh, this is actually going to be a, a knock on Brian Owens. That is my father. That's your dad. Um, okay. I walked into the house and he said, did you know that Toronto is the first team ever to have four players with 100 plus RBIs? Now, so now that, that's me, on me. Let me double check because I don't want to disrespect the great Brian Owens, one of my, my, no, probably, because my best friends. I was friend. listening on the radio as I drove home today and I, they, I didn't hear it yet. I kind of was pulling in when they were mentioning that, and I didn't hear them say that was the first time ever, so yeah. I'm not Tino, sure. In 99, Tino Martinez had 105, Derek Jeter had 102, uh, Bernie Williams had 115, and Paul O'Neill had 110. So oh, first team go. since 99 might be the stat. All right, confirmed fraud, my dad. Uh, this is why I got to do my own research. got to trust my own guys, my own stat guys. Luke, you got to do your own um, research too uh, before you can make a, uh, a decision. That's right. Um, for, for Garrett Cole though, struggling tonight and it's probably his last start before the wild card game. I, it doesn't concern me too much, but I will say the start, you know, in Boston, he was electric, but the start before that he struggled as well. So that's two of his last three starts were kind of bad. So hopefully if he's doing this, every other thing, he'll be good to go for the wild card. I mean, he's still the guy you give the ball to. He's still the guy that you trust, um, at this point, right? Yeah, he certainly is. I think beyond that, it goes to, to tell me at least how scary this Blue Jays team is. You know, I don't see it as yeah. Garrett Cole struggling. I see it as this Blue Jays team is, is damn good. You look at that series, I think the Blue Jays swept a couple weeks ago against the Yankees, and they were just hitting bombs left and right. So I, yeah. I think this goes more to say, look, if you're the Yankees, you're, you're begging the Red Sox or any other team to make the second wild card because the Blue Jays with those bats and, and the arms that they have now in that bullpen, I don't want to face them. I think they're the, out of the teams that are fighting for it, right, and there's three teams kind of battling, you know, within one spot of each other for that last wild card, the Red Sox, Mariners, and Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are the team that I'd want to face the least. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, the Mariners would be a, a real nice get there, but I think that it's going to be either Toronto, Boston, or the Yankees, some combination of the three. Uh, let's quickly talk about the Mets very briefly um, because uh, Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. RBA double, so it is 5-2 to two now, Toronto. Um, but Noah Syndergaard got the ball yesterday. He threw one inning, two strikeouts, and 10 pitches, no hits. Uh, there's kind of some discourse going on about why would you pitch him. I get it. I mean, look, He's rehabbed a couple times with Syracuse. Um, and then, you know, why not let him throw in the majors? Like, if he's going to throw just another rehab anyways, you might as well let him throw in the majors, get that confidence going into this offseason. But he's a guy the Mets are going to have to make a decision on as well. Yeah, and I think they qualify him, Luke. They have the money. He's a homegrown yeah. guy. You're probably losing Stroman anyway. I, th- I think you have to qualify Syndergaard. And I think seeing him pitch the way he did was awesome to see, right? Two strikeouts, just 10 pitches in the inning. and I forgot what he had said, but part of the the quote, and I'm not quoting it directly, was it'd be great for the Mets to qualify me. Yeah. So he's not asking for a lot. And it feels he's a lot more humble now than he was two years ago, even, you know, last year. And I guess that's because he hasn't pitched in two years. But for him to say, look, I'd be grateful to stay with the Mets, maybe there's some sort of, you know, positivity to take out of that. Yeah, he's probably also realizing I don't have the options that I thought I was going to have just because I, he's been hurt. And I think definitely, definitely matured. I think I, actually, I don't know. Matured is kind of a weird word. I, general, I think but, what, what you said, Luke, he doesn't have the options is certainly that. But if, yeah. if they're willing to quote unquote take a chance on him this offseason and he delivers, you know, and, and they have a good relationship moving forward, that certainly helps them re-signing him long term. And, and look, you're going to need to sign either him or probably Marcus Stroman. And if I'm the, the Mets, I think I lean Syndergaard. Not saying that Stroman isn't a great pitcher, but the idea I saw someone re you know resurface the the Cashman quote Luke when he said we don't want Stroman because he'd be a bullpen guy a couple of years ago. That wasn't wrong two years ago. I don't know why we're making fun of Brian Cashman. This was like a Mets fan Twitter account that said this. Yeah. But there's no need to say because that's what he was back then. That's what he was expected to be. This year he's been great. But this is his best season that he's had in I'd say his whole career, arguably. So, one, that, that Certainly point in a while. is moot. And two, are you willing to pay him $20 million plus per year over the course of several years? A guy that just feels like he's a headache on social media that could and feasibly think, drop and kind of lose his, his stuff a little bit going into next year? And I think beyond that, uh, and I, I'm not trying to like pile on because what Marcus Stroman has done in his career has been – Amazing, but I mean, a guy that's five seven in one eighty, you just worry about him holding up. I mean, we saw Chris Archer, you know, right around this age, right around thirty years old, really kind of hit the downfall. And obviously, that was because he did have the thoracic outlet syndrome, which which doesn't help. But I mean, Strowman's had a great year this year. Don't get me wrong, um, but you always do worry about the the durability thing. So I definitely wouldn't, you know, if Strowman wanted to come for two years, and maybe you do give him eighteen a year. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, but if he's going to want, you know, five years, then I'm, I'm definitely out on that. And I think Syndergaard, as weird as it sounds, because he hasn't pitched, his ceiling is certainly higher. I mean, he's a high strikeout guy. Uh, he, he's, he's proven it for the Mets already. Um, the question is, can he stay healthy? So I, I agree with you. Um, and look, as much as it, it stinks to say, like the off the field stuff does have to factor in his decision. Like if Stroman's a guy that's going to, you know, the whole thing where he retweets all the highlights after a loss and things like that, like, if you're in the midst of a playoff run, you don't want you don't want something like that. You like you want to make sure that everyone's all in. And I'm not saying that Stroman isn't because he's been a great. He's been probably the best player on the Mets this year. You know him or Pete Alonso, consistency wise. But it, it definitely you have to take that into consideration. Isn't it just a headache too? Like the Mets always yeah. find themselves with several headaches. In, you know, in a season, whether it's the you know the the thumbs down booing, you know Lindor and the fan situation with Baez. Um, what else? They had that, that fight between what was Lindor and McNeil had an argument at the start of the season. Yeah. Do we really need another issue with Marcus Stroman, who at this point in his career is probably a, a fringe two starter for the long term looking outward? Like, why can't we just make it easy for the Mets? Right? Why can't we just make it and not that Syndergaard's easy by any stretch, but but it yeah, feels he's got a different. little social media thing himself. But he likes it. I think he does it in, in a fun manner, you know, more than a than a hateful manner. You know what I mean? Like, if it's like yeah. when Stroman tweets at the media and he tweets at people, it feels a lot meaner than Syndergaard that just kind of like laughing along with it. You know what I mean? 
I think I I don't know how to say this in a in a non like bad way, but he kind of has like this is gonna sound bad. He kind of has like little man syndrome. You know what I mean? Like he always yeah. feels like he has to prove himself. Like, and I get that. I'm sure. I mean, you're five foot seven. You're a great pitcher. That's always gonna be a conversation. Keep it on the off. inside, I'm sure though. Sick. But like the whole, the thing that really I think put it over the edge was not even the highlights for me. It was when he was blaming the media for the the Javier Baez situation that the Mets brought upon themselves, and they were like, he's like, oh, look at the media again, trying to push this narrative. But it's like, no, like you guys are saying these things. Like that's one of those situations that that I think is a head scratcher. So that kind of adds to that. You know, I'm not trying to pile on, but I think he does. You know, he's like Kevin Durant. He's got an itchy, an itchy trigger finger when he's on Twitter, and, and sometimes I think he goes too far. Yeah, certainly, Luke. I, I agree. That's a good comparison there. And I, I don't think there's a comparison for Syndergaard because he's more of a troll, right? It feels yeah, almost like – It feels like Strowman acts like he's LeBron James on social media with the, you know, we're, I'm too old for this hashtag washed king. But, but maybe the better comparison, Luke, and I'm, I'm kind of saying this as I go along or thinking this through as I go along, maybe Syndergaard's similar to LeBron because LeBron does that half tongue-in-cheek. Like, he's not actually mad when he tweets that stuff. And it just feels like Strowman, who I like as a pitcher, I think he's great. There's just so much negativity in, in that aura. And for a team that needs something positive, I don't know if you want to keep that throughout your, your team long-term. Yeah, and my last comment would be, I think Stroman, I think Stroman's actually mad online, and Syndergaard's kind of just playing along and, and going with it. Um, one more Mets piece of news, Matt. Uh, Steve Cohen says that the Mets may uh, offer some some in-game things to uh, help uh, kind of grow the younger audience at City Field, and one of those things he mentioned was uh, in-game comedy shows. That was the worst phrasing that you could possibly have because immediately after that happened. You know people are going to be like, well, there's enough comedy on the team. I mean, you were, you were right in there. You were I tweeted it, it, and I don't think anyone liked it, which is disappointing. I would have, but I had seen it. Like, it was such a layup. Like, yeah. I, you knew it was <laughs> yeah. going to happen. It was just a poor yeah. tweet. I don't, I don't hate you for tweeting it. I really thought about it. Um, but then I checked myself, and I was like, I don't want Petty Mets fans commenting, but maybe oh, they no, wouldn't I have. I want like, Petty Mets fans. Bring them Like, to why me. was that the – that's the worst phrase you could possibly have. But also, could you imagine, like, Chris DiStefano, who just threw out the first pitch, trying to do comedy in a three-minute <laughs> like bit dirt. in front of, like, six-year-olds. He's talking about, yeah. like, not using condoms and this other nonsense. And you have, like, a six-year-old being like, Mom, what, what's that? You have yeah. to cover the kids. It's a bad ears. And look, win games. Like, that's, that's what's going to bring but people out. But also, I hate I, and the I idea that everyone goes from stop with your brand, you know, stop with the idea to make you hip and just focus on winning. Because there are teams that win that no one cares about. Like, who cares about the Nets? They were the most exciting basketball team in all of the NBA last year. That's an exciting, fun team, Luke. And, wow. I was going to say, what was their attendance? Attendance doesn't matter. It was a COVID year. Yeah. But their, their ratings were not very good. They're not a popular team. So what's wrong with the Mets sitting there and saying, look, we want to get better. We want to get more popular. We want people to be excited by us. I think they're exciting as a, as a team, as a franchise. But what's wrong with them investing in their brand? That's your job but, as your owner, as the, the marketing the non-baseball side of it, right? You want to make money. No, you I want agree. to be popular. So so why can't we be okay with them spending money on this, but also understanding they're going to spend money to win baseball games too. Like, we know both can be true. Yeah, you have to win, though. I think that's the caveat. Like, I'm fine. They can do whatever they want. Think about it. I think the most popular team in the NBA the last few years have been the Warriors, but they also won games. Like, they're the fun young team that all the kids have the jerseys and things like that. But they're winning too, you know. But if it's also a fun the, team the brand of players. Like, yes, they're winning, but it's Steph Curry, it's the Splash Brothers, it's Draymond Green who who's got a personality. Like, it's it's a mix of both, Luke. And I understand you want to win, but to me, winning is a given. Like, you already know they're trying to win. They don't have to say it. So I why not go given. out there and try to improve that brand? No, yeah, I get that. I just think that the the way that they, I think, released this was kind of what I was saying. I guess I don't know. Like, we're going to have in-game com- – what does that even mean? Well, that's like, are they gonna that's have just like, yeah, yeah, that's what I don't get. Uh, we talked a lot about winning. Let's talk about losing. That's right. It's, it is a football Wednesday, Matt, which means there's a lot of losing to go around. Uh, I, I, I'm going to come out with something here, Matt, and I, wanna, I, want you to, I want you to tell me what you think about this. The Giants going to New Orleans this week. Obviously, it's been a disaster. They're 0-3. This is a winnable game for the Giants. Oh, yeah. And I know that might sound crazy, but – when you look at the Saints, they're, they're very up and down. 
Jameis Winston hasn't had to throw the ball. If you can make the Saints one-dimensional like the Panthers did, you can win this game. Now, can the Giants do that? I'm not sure because the, the Saints have a very talented running back in Kamara who's been running the ball a lot more recently. Um, if they can make the Saints one-dimensional, though, and if their offense can play well, they're going to be in this game. And, you know, obviously I think the Saints are a better team, but with this upcoming stretch, this to me is the game you circle and say we might be able to steal a win. I think they can only because Winston kind of stinks, and I, and I think maybe he doesn't stink, but he's not good. Can I, can I say that, Luke? I know you're a big Winston. No. He, he's throwing the ball 63 times. No, here's times. the thing. I don't even know if we know what James Winston is because Sean Payton's just going to be so careful with him. So, Fair. yeah, he's definitely not – you know, he's not some elite quarterback, though. No, definitely okay. not. I, I like saying it that way. For me, this Giants team needs to get a lead early. And, and that's easy to say and a dumb thing and kind of obvious to say. But if you want to win this game, you've got to put pressure on Jameis Winston. And more importantly, you've got to your, your secondary's got to show out because they've been bad for this entire season, basically so far these first couple games. And and this is that kind of game that you that you 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 act as the doorstop, right? Stop the losing, stop that mo- that negative momentum. But then I sit here, Luke, and I and I read the the storylines heading into it. It's the first game at the Superdome since Hurricane Ida. Right, it's the first time New Orleans is home. The Giants have a bunch of injuries with Slayton and Shepard. They've just been a dumpster fire. They might have the, their fourth left guard in four games due to injuries. Luke, if 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 uh, Ben Breedson can't go, he suffered a hand injury against Atlanta. Jason Garrett's still the offensive coordinator. He can't seem to do yeah. anything. They stink as an offense. The defense has been crumbling and falling apart. Evan Ingram's back. He's been fumbling the ball. Like everything has turned in a negative way for this team. And I just, I can't sit here and say they're going to turn around until I see it happen with my own eyes. I, I can't project or predict it anymore. And that's, I think it's such a big game for Joe judge because you mentioned all the, the nonsense going around the giants, all the negativity, you need to get your team rallied and you need to get them to kind of rise above that because we haven't seen that from this year from Joe judge. They've been undisciplined. They've been sloppy. The, the play calling of the coaching has been bad. And, Look, obviously that falls on Jason Garrett, but also calls, falls on Joe Judge for allowing Jason Garrett to still be the offensive coordinator. So if Jason Garrett is once again has a bad game, then we can sit here again and say, why is he still calling plays? And I think if you're the Giants, I mean, they've had some good – I mean, that game against Washington, 11 plays, 79 yards, and a touchdown run by Daniel Jones, first drive of the game. They looked awesome. They looked unstoppable. It was RPOs. It was quick passes. It was letting Daniel Jones get out in space. And they didn't score again until 4.09 left in the second on a Graham Gano field goal. So that first drive was awesome against Washington. And it feels like every single time the Giants look awesome, it's because it's the RPOs, it's the options, it's giving Daniel Jones a chance to use his legs or use his arm. And it feels like the Giants have just gone away from that. And I think the one thing the Giants did do well last game, they gave Saquon Barkley some catches. And they, they let him try to get out in space a little bit as well. I mean, it was by far his best game this season. And it wasn't, you know some crazy game, but you know, if he has over 90 total yards, you're going to take that at this point from Saquon Barkley. So they got to get Saquon Barkley, the ball in the pass game. And they, I don't understand why this offense has to be boring. Like, you know, Daniel Jones has the legs. So trust him to make those decisions and get the ball out. But also look at who your coaches are, Luke. And I think that's why this team in this offense is boring. Where did Joe judge come from? Bill Belichick. Was that no offense <laughs> ever super exciting? No. Right? It wasn't Tom Brady running for 40 yards. It wasn't him throwing 50 yards in the air for a catch. It was smart football that played complementary football to a solid defense. And then you look at the offensive coordinator, coordinator, excuse me, for the Giants, and it's Jason Garrett, who stinks. He was terrible his last couple years in Dallas. And, and I don't even want to say he stinks because the offense was okay the last, you know, there's been two, three plays that have turned the tide for the Giants in most of these games. It was Dan Orlovsky that said, you know, the Giants correct four plays this season and they're 2-1, and one, which is fair, yeah. but if my aunt had hair on her back, Luke, she'd be my uncle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and it just it, it's frustrating to watch this team because Daniel Jones is not a pocket passer. He's not a typical quarterback. He's not going to sit there and throw the ball with great accuracy. What makes him different is his running ability, Luke, and for Jason Garrett not to showcase that is incredibly frustrating for this team. It really is. You know, right now he's at 23 rush attempts through three games. He should have 10 rushes per game, probably. You know, or, or, or at least let him 
you know, threaten the defense that he will run the ball. Well, if you do the math, Matt, 23 per game. That is t- oh, no, it's not. Wow. 23 wow, divided by mind. three is about Never seven. Never mind. I don't want to talk about it. Um, the, <laughs> for some reason, I was thinking, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, the one thing that does worry me about Daniel Jones in this offense is they just, they're not scoring touchdowns. I mean, he's got two with his legs, only two with his arm. I mean, two passing touchdowns. You know, granted, he hasn't thrown a pick, so you'll take that. But it's almost like, you know, not that you should take extra risks in the red zone, but they've got to score touchdowns. It's been a lot of penalties, too, Luke. Sorry to cut you off, but there was and a lot of sloppy play, right? I think the center uh, snapped the ball, and it just went right by Jones, and he was at, you know, on first and goal or second and goal, and they were put into field goal territory, right? There was a couple penalties that put them out of field goal distance, things like that, that need to be cleaned up. And all those issues, Luke, those sloppy plays, that poor play in the red zone that you know, loses you the touchdown chance, that falls on Joe Judge. He's not an offensive genius or a defensive genius. He's just a, a smart, d- disciplined football coach, or he's supposed to be. And when your team's taking the penalties that the Giants are taking, you know, you're not doing your job. And, and that's what's kind of frustrating for this team. Yeah, and another point I want to bring up on the Giants is, you know, the, this whole talk about the, the conditioning of Joe Judge that's kind of been brought up uh, through the mainstream media this week. Um, and you have Golden Tate on Good Morning Football saying, uh, you know, with all these soft t- tissue injuries the Giants have had, he said, uh, conditioning can be a little too much. Guys start getting soft tissue injuries. This is a 17-game season. Before you can get over your soreness from last game, you're practicing already. Uh, Joe Judge says, you know, this is a, t- a time-tested program. It's worked out on every team he's been on before. Um, and obviously, it comes from Golden Tate, a guy who had a very rocky relationship with Joe Judge. But I will say, I mean, it's something I said in preseason as well. Is preseason as well is as as weird as it sounds. Sometimes you don't want to push these guys too hard, especially early on in the week, just because um, because he's injured. I mean, every single game, these guys are you know having you know minor sprains and sometimes slight tears and things like that. So I don't know because I'm not a football guy in terms of a coach, so I don't know how this all works. But if it comes from a player, I don't know. Maybe there is something to it. This kind of screams Jermichael Finley talking about Aaron Rodgers from a couple weeks ago, Luke, that we actually oh, never got so? into. He's trying to get in the news cycle? I think it's Golden Tate trying to get his voice out there, and he also doesn't like Joe Judge. So why would he say anything to defend him? And he said something like, listen, we had our issues, but we're, you know, we're past that now. Look, I don't even know what Joe Judge's conditioning plan is, right? But I imagine it doesn't stray far from what Bill Belichick does. And, and that team hasn't had those issues, right? Were we talking about conditioning last year for this team? No. So what, what's the difference, right? What's the reason we're talking about it now? Because injuries happen. And I think that, you know, this team is struggling and they had high expectations. And this is another thing to kind of pile on to. So, frankly, look, I, if, if, if Golden Tate can go out there and show me what the, the conditioning plan is and he can go bring in – an athletic trainer that tells me it should actually be this, then I'll believe him. But for right now, it's it's speculation at this point. Yeah, the, as you mentioned earlier, the Giants are getting pretty deep in their into their uh, offensive line, which is not the side of the ball. And when you talk about a boring offense, I think what's so interesting about that is when you look at the uh, the 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 Patriots of past, you know, teams like that. They had a great offensive line. They could run the ball, and they had good tight ends. The Giants don't have any of that. They don't have a good offensive line. They don't really run the ball all that well, and they don't have a good tight end. So it's kind of like you have speed threats in wide receivers, you have a mobile quarterback, and you have a running back that's probably a little bit better when he catches the ball every once in a while. So it's like you cannot run this vanilla offense because your players are are, are dynamic. Like use Kadarius Tony, you know, get Kenny Galladay, Galladay these big plays that you know was kind of hinted at. He hasn't been making as big of plays since he's come over to the Giants. Like give these guys a chance to get open and get in space. Right, and there, and there was a, a question, Luke, that Galladay was asked, why aren't you running deeper routes? And he was like, I don't know. And, you know, maybe they're not trying to, to throw it to, you know, deep for Daniel Jones. Maybe they're letting Slayton kind of take the take the top off the defense. But Galladay's your stud. That's the guy you're paying Odell Beckham Jr. money, and right now he's not producing like it. And, and right now you need to get him in a position to succeed more than anybody else. Because once he starts going – and he starts grabbing attention and can still make plays even with that attention, it's going to open the football field up a lot more for the Saquon Barkley's to get dumped off underneath, for Shepard in the slot, for Slayton, who might be you know going deep counter to Kenny Galladay. And uh, the last point I'll bring up, like you said, Matt, this is the first game in, in the Superdome since Hurricane Ida. You know, Obviously, Hurricane Katrina was a much bigger 
uh, you know, deaths and, and destruction. But that first game after Katrina, it was rocking. You had the Steve Gleason uh, block punt for a touchdown on Monday Night Football. So that definitely plays a factor. Giants plus seven and a half. I can't, I can't even touch this team anymore. After last week, it seemed like such a lock that they were going to beat the Falcons, and I can't, I can't trust them anymore. I'm not touching it. I am not touching it at all. Not with a right, tempo I, I respect that. Wow, so we're about the clown show. Yeah, I, can we get into that? Wow, that's bad. I was just going to call you out. We're just going to call you out. I'm sad that you that you found it before I could say. Wow. It. I guess we'll we'll go Let's, to Jets now. I guess Luke, right? Unless you want to we'll, go picks we'll, first. We'll, no, we'll do the Jets. We'll, we got picks at about 920. We'll, we'll wait on that because we need to talk about how Matt is a clown. I'm looking at the rundown, and I'm like, I'm missing something, or I don't know. Because Matt on the, on the rundown has said that the, the Jets <laughs> are traveling for, for a spot of tea in London to take on the Falcons, which is just not true. They're, That's they're taking week, on the Tennessee it? Titans. Um, yeah, that is – that is next week because I was like, there's no way they're in London, and I just didn't know that. So I don't know. Like, at least your your prep for next week is done. That's an honest mistake. I'll I'll, I'll take the L on that. Um, How? I, like, what were you looking at? Okay, so I went to ESPN.com like I usually do. I go to the Jets page, and I just I missed the Titans. I whiffed on it, and I clicked right there with uh with the Falcons. It's brutal. I forgive you though. I had a long day too, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come at you. But I really wanted to say that before you noticed because I was I read it halfway through. We were talking about the Giants. If you heard me say like um for like five seconds, it's because I realized I was like that's not right, and I had to look it up to double check. Um, yeah. but it's all right. They will be taking on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, so a lot tougher of a game for the Jets compared to the Falcons next week. Um, Titans team that pretty up and down. They looked real bad against the Cardinals, but then they had a nice bounce back. Uh, win against uh seattle and then they beat the colts last week um good good pick by me in that game i actually questioned it before kickoff with carson Wentz playing but i ended up getting the the win and the cover there um i am worried about the jets defense for sure because it's a great offense but maybe the offense can get a little something going because this titans defense obviously the cardinals and, and the seahawks a little bit more dynamic but they really had their way with this titans defense it's not a great defense Maybe a remedy. I mean, it's not the Broncos. It's not the Patriots. It's not Bill Belichick. Maybe Zach Wilson can throw a touchdown or two this week. I, I really hope so at this point, Luke. And, and I've said it, you know, on a Monday, I'll say it again. If this team loses 30 to 28, I'll be happy. Show me some good right. football on the offensive side of the ball because that's the only thing I care about right now. This defense is not very good, right? You look at this defense, there's going to be no, uh, no Marcus May for the next four or five weeks. You know, a lot of injuries. I just want to see some positive football out of Zach Wilson. And, and frankly, I, I don't know if we're going to get that. I, I, he hasn't proven me otherwise, right, Luke? How am I supposed to yeah. say that he's proven that he's a good football player in the NFL? He hasn't. He hasn't shown me that he's a bad football player. But I really need to see something out of Zach Wilson after two complete goose eggs of games. And now, granted, they're playing really good teams, right? They're playing some... Really good defense, I should say. But I don't care how good these defenses are. You can't combine for three points in the last two games. In the yeah, last I'm looking two games, at this. Luke, no touchdowns. They've been in the red zone just twice in those two games. Something's got to give. Something has to give. There's too much talent on this offense. You know, between Zach Wilson's arm, between the wide receiver weapons that they have. There's too much talent for this team to score 6.7 points per game. There just is. And now we have a little bit of internal tor- turmoil because, first of all, Denzel Mims, you know, situation. Uh, there has not been any confirmation or, or denial of if Denzel Mims is going to play. Um, Robert Sala said with Moore and Jamison being up in the air, there's definitely a chance he could play. He said, obviously, we've got Denzel trying to uh, trying to keep mentioning him for a role to see if he can get on the field and produce. Well, Last week, he said he had a good week of practice. Mims still didn't play. Um, Mims also has been refusing to speak to media, which is kind of another sneaky part of this. So clearly, he's not too happy. Um, it's been 23 possessions without a touchdown for the Jets. Um, and the last touch, one of the last touchdowns that he scored on that drive, Denzel Mims caught a 40-yard pass. So th- there's definitely all the signs they're pointing to. Why not play the guy? And if you're not going to play him, then trade him, you know? Denver was mentioned as a possible team by Rich Samini in this article after they had another receiver injury that could use him. You know, 
a lot of teams I'm sure would like to get Denzel Mims for, you know, a third round pick or a fourth. I don't know what it would cost at this point, but if you want your quarterback to succeed, succeed, you need guys. And I get it. I kind of bought the, the special teams excuse for a while. You know, the Jets are a team that, you know, the joke is, you know, they punt a lot. They need a good gunner, things like that. But who cares? Like, who cares if you have one bad special teams play, if it means you can help out your quarterback? Because at the end of the day, if they're down 23 nothing, does it matter who's playing special teams? No. You want a guy in there that can help your quarterback. And I think Denzel Mims could do that. He's a, he's a great, you know, get, go up and get it guy. He's their biggest body receiver. And I, I can't stand another week of, of you know, BS, make-believe, solid excuses. It's bad, Luke, and and honestly, it's making me lose faith in in Rob Sala because I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear this eyewash. It's so frustrating to listen to, and I was a huge Sala guy up until the season started, right? And now they've been really struggling, but I just don't understand why you don't play him. If he doesn't play this week, you need to just move on from him, whether it's cutting him or trading him. The fact that Rich Samini said that he's not a locked play if Crowder and Moore are out and, and, you know, before that story was written or just after, I should say, um, Oh, what's his name? Just before that, that story was written, Luke, uh, is it Smith? Jeff Smith, right. Sorry. Yeah. Was uh, in a car accident and he, and he's okay, right. but he did not practice with a concussion protocol or whatever it was. And it doesn't seem like he's set to play. If there's if three of your top five receivers are out, and Denzel Mims can't make the cut, there's some serious issues here. And I don't know if it's because of Rob Sala and his per- relationship or if he doesn't know the playbook, but there's got to be something you can do to get this guy involved in the offense. He's too dynamic. He's too talented to sit on the bench and, and watch as Zach Wilson struggles to find people to throw the ball to. You need a big target that can go up there and get these 50-50 balls. Out. You know, I've been saying it for the last three weeks, Luke, and – I don't know how much more obvious it can get, right? You want a guy that at least Zach Wilson can throw it to and hope he gets a chance to, to catch the ball and make a play on it. And then we turn to the defensive side of the ball where Marcus May, uh, he's going to be out four to five weeks with an injury. Um, Eric Burkhart, a guy that we talked about in the offseason, he, he likes to fire off some tweets. He's the agent of Marcus May. Um, and when the, the report came out that May would be out four to five weeks, he said uh, – uh, Eric Burkhart quote tweeted and said he'll be quote fully healthy just before the trade deadline. So I guess that says where Marcus Mays head is at with his team right now. Yeah, it does. And if you can get a first out of it, sure, or a second or a third, but you've got to. It worked out the last time they traded a safety. It did, but but you've got to build something at some point, Luke. Yeah, your your defense can't be full of rookies and prospects. It doesn't work. Right, if if you look at this team and you want leaders, Marcus May is a great leader for this team because in, in two three years when you hope Zach Wilson's good enough to get a max contract extension and lead this team to the playoffs, Marcus May needs to be on the field. You, you can't have some second year guy that you got with a third round pick that's replacing him. Uh, I just it's so frustrating. I like Joe Douglas. I like what he what he does. But he's made some really brutal mistakes because you can't sit here and have young guys left and right. That's not how the NFL works. You need these leaders. You need guys on, on second contracts, right? What is the success yeah. of every team? The draft class that you bring in gets signed and continues on to carry on the tradition, the culture, the this, the that. Now, if Marcus May was a, was a bad guy and was so outspoken about it like Jamal Adams was, then I understand it. But he's been a good soldier for most of his career with the Jets. I mean, he hasn't, yeah, been, you know, up until this year, he hasn't been talking about a whole lot. And frankly, he deserves to talk. He was a great safety last year. He's had a very solid career on a horrible defense, and he should be compensated for it. And when you have the veteran guys as well, you know, they kind of bring up the guys behind them. I mean, the Bills are a great example of that. They drafted a great defense. They signed some guys for free agency, you know, some of them getting older, but they kind of have, you know, the next line of guys to replace them ready to go and kind of sprinkling in some play for them as well. So it, it kind of is that system that you need. And with, with Marcus May, the whole talk when Jamal Adams was traded was like, well, they still have Marcus May. Well, if you don't have Marcus May anymore, then who do you have? You know, who do you have in that secondary that can be a leader, that can be a voice that's been there for a while, that gets it? You know, there's no one really there. And that, it really becomes, Matt, like, I mean, you still have C.J. Mosley, who's barely played for that team. Like, Quinton Williams is going to be, like, your most veteran kind of jet guy on that defense, which is absolutely wild. So it, it, they're kind of in this position now where, we talked about with the quarterback situation. 
Uh, even the running back room, you know, they don't have Frank Gore anymore. Like, this is a very young, inexperienced football team. And Robert Salas kind of hinted at that, is when you're a young team that doesn't – they don't know how to win. Like, they ha- they don't – literally do not know how to win. They haven't won a game. And a lot of guys in this roster haven't won an NFL game because they're rookies or, you know, things like that. So, it's kind of tough when you don't have those veteran guys to say, you know, this is how we do it in the NFL. This is how it works. You know, this is just a young group of guys coached by a young head coach with a young offensive coordinator that it's going to be real tough to figure out how to win. It isn't. And I want to bring up Mike LaFleur, Luke, because, you know, he's been under some scrutiny, right? The offense has been terrible. And let me try to find the quote from Salah here. I, I couldn't quite find it before. He said he's done a good job. You know, things need to be fixed. Once it all clicks, people will start to appreciate the things he's doing. And, and I think he's right in the sense that, yes, the offense has been bad, but you can't blame it all on LaFleur, right? It takes time. It's Zach Wilson throwing – four interceptions in a game it's drop passes and and Zach Wilson suffers from I think the second most drop passes among NFL quarterbacks it's offensive line play which is getting better right the offensive line Luke the the what is it pro football focus rankings have them pretty good at their their pass block yeah they're they're about average you know some some slightly above average it's definitely not some below average or Greg Van Roten which is hilarious after you call it out talk about that so he, he he called out Zach Wilson. I'll put it in air quotes because, you know, Rob Sala was on the case show and kind of clarified it and basically said, look, like, everyone's got to be better. It wasn't just him saying Zach Wilson stinks. It's Zach Wilson's got to get the ball out faster. We've got to protect better. Guys have got to get open. Like, it's the whole offense that he was talking about. And I had no issue with it because he wasn't kind of singling out one person. No, he wasn't. I think Zach Wilson would be the, the one person that would say, you know, I, I need to be better. But he seems to be in a pretty good – uh, headspace. You know, he said mentally, I feel good, I feel confident, uh, things like that. So, but what is he going to say I, otherwise? Know, is he going to say, "Oh no, I yeah, stink"? Like, I stink. I'm horrified. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's all like it's all just coach speak and quarterback. Like, no one ever actually said this year. Especially, anyways, it's but, been so bad. Yeah, I think it's especially with. I think because these these coaches, especially in the New York media market, they 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 just keep their mouths shut. They don't really say anything of value, and it's it's tough because you don't get a lot of interesting tidbits because I think these two coaches in Sala and uh Joe Judge can be eh, maybe not Joe Judge Robert Sala has I think a personality like he's a guy that can definitely be there but if he just gets beaten down every single week it's going to be it's going to get tougher and tougher for him to have to kind of face the music and and answer these questions in a positive manner yeah it's going to be tough and and I hope they they turn around here and and maybe they beat Tennessee Luke I mean they're not a great defense Ah, I don't know no maybe they cover against Tennessee how about that yeah, let, let's maybe they'll win. If this was actually the London game against the Falcons, maybe they'd win. But, so you got a week uh, look, until they win. Yeah, and after this Titans game, you get a you know Patriots, Bengals, Colts. You know, Man, a little I was bit of really a looking forward stretch. to a to a morning game on Sunday. I you you kind of I was like we have a nine thirty game. And I got all excited, but uh, it was, I it was not, It's all right. Uh, it's been a but long yeah, week. so that so it'll be a tough game for the Jets uh, against Tennessee. They are back at home. We'll see how the. The crowd reacts. They already booed Wilson in his first home game, so that's expected at this point. Yeah, in New York, uh, we'll talk Bills briefly. Why don't we do picks first and then say Bills for the end? Wow, okay. give it a break. I, I thought the tweet did last week. We 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 went uh, picks in in the nine o'clock segment. I will do some picks we'll unless you'd rather picks. not. I mean, you're running the show. Oh, I'll I'll do it. Uh, Actually, no, a... let's go Bills. Cause I don't know my picks yet. Okay, so you'll be. Not paying attention during the segment to look at the picks. I can just fine. I can, I can, uh, no, it's all right. I'll, I'll talk for the next seven minutes. You pipe down over there. Um, the Bills, the team that I have self proclaimed the best team in the AFC, taking on probably the second worst team. All right, maybe not. Might, who wins, uh, Texans Jets if they, if they played? I think the Texans do. I like their, I mean, with okay. Tyrod Taylor, they do. I like that coaching staff, to be honest. I like, uh, What's his name? David Cully. He's done a decent David job Culley? out there. They're feisty. He loves to punt, though. Does he? Just, you see that play in uh, week two where the the Texans had a, a fourth and – or they could have accepted a penalty and had third and seven, but instead they declined it and it was fourth and two and they punted. Like, they they actually just want – they love punting, do the, do the Texans. Um, yeah, not a great Houston team. They lost to the uh, – the Panthers last week on Thursday night, uh, Mills Mafia versus Bills Mafia. Davis Mills now starting quarterback. Not great. Um, there's not a lot of juice in this game, I'll tell you that. Um, you look at this Texas team. I mean, Brandon Cooks is a solid number one. Their second highest receiver is their tight end, Farrell Brown, 
who has four catches for 67 yards. Their second-best wide receiver, Danny Amendola, has 43 yards. So safe to say they, they will not be uh, letting up the field through the, the passing game. They won't, but Brendan Cooks is, or Cook has been excellent this season. He's been great. He's been unbelievable. I mean, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. And I, and I, I feel like he's kind of sort of taking advantage of, well, well someone's got to score. Right, like they're not yeah. a horrible offense, and someone's got to get the ball, and I guess he's just the only one getting open. Yeah, and they have the the old man running back squad of Mark Ingram, David Johnson, Philip Lindsay. So doesn't this game years, just scream Thursday night football? Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess the Texans are just a Thursday night football. I was gonna ask you a question, but I think you you might have you might already know it. If you had to guess the spread on this game, or do you know it already? Isn't it like ten and a half or something? Oh, it's sixteen. I see right here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big spread. It's a big I, I thought I got to stay. I usually like going with the Bills, too, but I can't pick a spread that high. That's – yeah, that's that's like college level. That's like Ohio State, like Toledo, like type of, type of yeah, line. That, for that's the, for that's the Bills. a lot for me. So it's one of those games where I kind of wish Tyrod Taylor was playing because he'd be, you know, coming back to uh, to Buffalo. I mean, people forget Tyrod Taylor is the guy that kind of got the ball rolling for the Bills. You know, he made the playoffs in 2017. wasn't great. Um, especially in that playoff game, he was real bad. But he got them there and then kind of handed the reins over. He's just a guy that constantly hasn't gotten a great chance. Like he had, you know, he was first he was for Josh Allen, then he was for Baker, then he was for Justin Herbert, and he got his lung punctured. Um, then he finally had a chance to really be the starting quarterback for Houston, and he's hurt now. So shout out Tyrod Taylor because I feel real bad for him. And honestly, Houston looked pretty good with him in that first game against Jacksonville, then against the the Browns. Um, but I, I just feel bad for him. Yeah, it is unfortunate. He's got to have the worst luck of any quarterback, Luke. He may be second to Sam Donald up until he, he reached Carolina. And and there's just not a lot of juice to this game, Luke. And I, I know we kind of say it time in and time out for, for Buffalo. Oh, there's no juice to this game or that game. But looking ahead, you know, Kansas City, Tennessee, good. those are the games I'm really excited for. because, because and, and honestly, even the Washington football team game, you know, you, you kind of circled at the beginning of the year, but their defense has started to struggle a little bit. I think they're better than they've they've shown, and I think they'll kind of improve as the season goes along. But right now, you look at the Bills, and it's just there, there's nothing they can do to change my opinion of them in this game. There, there really isn't. And although yeah. Davis Mills didn't have a horrible game in, in relief. No, I mean you He's know okay. only one interception, two hundred seventy yards passing. That's good. That's okay. There you go. Uh, yeah, I think the Bills should roll. What if they lost, though? Would that change your opinion on them? No. Yeah, I think the Bills They're are winning pretty the division solid. Anyway. They're going to dominate this division. The, the the Miami Dolphins stink. The Patriots stink. The Jets, I don't even want to touch on the Jets. The Jets, the Jets need a different adjective. They're beyond bad. Yeah. Although they You're are right. projected, to, Luke, in the uh, ESPN's FPI rankings or index, whatever you want to call it, to get the first overall pick in next year's draft. So that's kind of exciting. Right, you're looking at the, Wait, the the Jets. They're expected to get the first overall pick. Really? Yeah. All right. The Jets are there. I think the Giants are in the top five as well. And for the Jets, if you get the, that top pick, I wonder what you do with it. Right? Do you go? It's got to be their offensive line or defense, right? Yeah, and there's a lot of really solid defensive players coming up in this year's draft. Not not a lot of good quarterbacks. No, so I guess you go edge news. rush at that point. Yeah, probably defense, maybe offensive line. Or do you go up? Uh, well, One, you, you got Vera Tucker and um, yeah, and and first overall offensive lineman would be a little bit crazy. We haven't seen that since Eric Fisher. It's been a while. Yeah. Or do you go running back? I love the, the New York Giants. <laughs> first overall, yeah, I love that. Uh, let, let's do picks, Matt. Let's get into picks because then after, at the end we can kind of run through. This is a very, very tough week. This is. I'm game. glad I'm not the only one sitting here. Panicking. Just picking them straight up is tough. I mean, you have the NFC West battling it out. That's always tough. You know, you have games like Lions, Bears, Panthers, Cowboys. Like, there's going to be some close games uh, to call. Uh, coming in, quick update. I am uh, ten and eight on the year. You are eight and ten. So That's we right. are we are whatever neck you and call neck. it. Reciprocals. I'm right below you. That's uh, where I like to be. That's right. Four and two for me last week. Two and four for you. Uh, do you want to start us off? Um, yeah, why not? Let's do it. I don't know what my lock of the week is yet, Um, but I really, really like Washington football minus one and a half against the uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And I, and I know that Atlanta just took down, you know, a divisional rival of the, of the Washington football team, but I think the defense figures it out. 
I don't think they're this bad. I think this defense kind of figures it out, and I think that they're they're good enough to beat the Falcons. You know, they've proven that to me that they can score points even with Tyler Heineke, Tyler Taylor Heineke, at the uh, quarterback position. And uh, quickly, Kyle Higashioka, two run single, five five. The Yankees. Wow, so that good comeback for the Yankees. Here's my first pick, Matt. I don't know. I don't know how you're gonna feel about it. I'm taking the Detroit Lions plus three against the Chicago Bears. I think they're due. You know, they played a really nice game against uh, the Ravens last week. Chicago, they don't know who's starting at quarterback for this week. I think the Lions can can keep this game close, maybe even win it. They've kept every game close this year. They've kind of been sneaky spread covers. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Lions uh, plus three against the Bears. Yeah, I was thinking of going counter that, Luke, but. I, I can't do it right now. I need to. I need to rack up wins. I can't get into this this narrative, this this headspace of. Oh, you want to you want to go head to head again? No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. All right. N- next pick for me, Luke. Why don't we roll with um? Where are they? Where's Green Bay in this? Who are they playing? They're playing Pittsburgh at four twenty five. Oh, easy money. Give me Green Bay minus five and a half. Uh, six and a half. That's that's the that's the closest thing to a lock of the week there is. If, if you're not going to put it. In is the lock of the week. I've got another pick that I like as the lock of the week, Luke. But but this is such an easy win for Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is great. Pittsburgh stinks. They're injured. Ben Rosberger stinks. He's old. He can't move. Did you see the play where he went to throw the ball and just like fell and it threw and it went yes. like five yards? It was incredible. Yeah. So give me the uh, the Green Bay Packers minus six and a half against those uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. My second pick, I'm going to go with a pick that I look at it, I'm like, that number seems small, and I'm still going to grab it, and that's the Chiefs minus seven against the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles just got their tails beaten by the uh, Cowboys. You know, the Chiefs are coming off of a a tough loss. I think they're going to really want to take it all out on the Eagles. So I think Kansas City wins this game going away. At least they should win this game by at least 10. I like that pick too, too, Luke, but for right now, I'll go with uh, Indianapolis plus two against the – where are they? Miami. Against Miami. Miami. J- Jacoby Brissett still, still playing for uh, the Dolphins? Yeah, Tua's on IR, so he's out at least two more weeks. Oh, wow. Wow. And, and Brissett's a better quarterback than Tua, you know, at least numbers-wise in the NFL, you, some some might argue. But I like Indianapolis. I think Carson Wentz is, is healthier than he was last week. I, I, I like Jonathan Taylor. I like the defense better. I just I don't have a lot of trust in Miami, and I think Indian, Indianapolis could win this game outright. Yeah, I don't hate that pick. I definitely thought about it. Um, I'm not going to go with it for now. I'm going to take a game that I'm not too confident in, but I kind of like it. That's the Broncos. And right now it's at even. Um, earlier it was at minus one, so kind of the same thing. But I will take uh, the Broncos even to win against the Ravens. I like their defense. I think Teddy Bridgewater does enough. Um, so I will take uh, I'll take the Broncos to, to beat the, the Ravens. Show me something, Teddy. That's a game I'm excited for too. That's probably a, kind of a game where it's like which team is legit. Because if, if the Ravens lose this, Luke, and they go down to two and two, I don't know how they come back in this and become legitimate Super Bowl contenders, right? You look at this team and you say yeah. they're two and two. The defense is slowing down, a lot of injuries, and, and for Denver, you lose this game. This is your first real test. I mean, you played a cupcake schedule to this point. I want to see Teddy go and show me something. I want to see this team go out there and make a stance. I can't make the pick, Luke. You're a braver man than I am, or you have more convictions in, in my man Teddy than, than than I do, especially after last week. He completely embarrassed me. Never pick yes, against him again. Um, oh, Fred, man. Fred God. I don't even know where to go here with this one, Luke. I, see, if Christian McCaffrey wasn't injured, I would take Carolina plus four and a half. But I just you do don't love Sam. Know. I love Sam Darnold. And I love the Cowboys, too. I picked both of those teams, you know, quite often. I picked them both last week, and they both dominated for me. Oh, boy. Give me... Uh, can I just go with my lock of the week here, and I'll, and I'll find something else afterwards? Yeah, go for it. Give me Kansas City minus seven. Lock of the week. Wow, there you go. That, that's easy. That's easy money. Easy. Yeah, I think so, too. I like that pick. I was thinking about locking that in, so luckily I didn't. So we can have at least a different lock. Uh, I like that pick. I think they win big. I'm going to go with a little bit of an interesting pick here. I'm going to take the Browns minus two against the Vikings. This is a gross line. I don't love it because Minnesota playing at home, I thought they looked really good last week. But this is the game. You know what, Browns? Prove it. If you think you're this 
Super Bowl contender, legitimate AFC championship uh, contender. You should be able to beat the Vikings by a field goal. So I'm going to take the Browns minus two. It's on the road. It's a tough game. I know that. But if they're as good as they should be, they should beat the Vikings. That's a game that I thought of picking as well. I don't think I didn't think I could do it. Another game that's interesting interesting me now, Luke, is uh is Vegas and the Chargers. Yeah. And I'm trying to find something here. Giving Vegas the three. How much do you think the uh the suspension to that guy the uh guy in their offensive line impacts them? Oh, what's his the name? The Raiders? Yeah, they just suspended uh, a guy uh Joe McCoy for PDs. Will miss six games when he were t- Oh, he's been injured? Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy. Has he the not been playing this tackle? whole season? Gerald McCoy, the defensive tackle? Yeah, the D-lineman. I don't think he's played. Okay, well, he was suspended for six games when he comes back. So from I don't injury. know if it'll impact them. So it won't impact them because that's what they've been dealing with this entire season. Oh, this is easy. Give me, give me the Vegas Raiders plus three. Wow. Yeah. I was really concerned there, but give me the Raiders plus three. I'm on the anti-Justin Herbert bandwagon for some reason. I love him as a quarterback. I think he's talented, but... I, I feel like the Chargers find ways to lose games. And at the very least, I think the Raiders still have, you know, another win or two in them before they collapse and, and give me Vegas. I think I picked Vegas. Oh, oh, no, only last week. I thought I picked them a little bit more, but I haven't. And I, was and, and I need them to cover. Like, I really need them. Because I, I need to forget I was a Vegas guy. I was a Vegas guy from the beginning. Don't forget it. Uh, when I took them to cover against the Ravens, I said sprinkle money line. They won. That was my last lock that won. But for this week's lock. You didn't lock them in in week one. I did San Francisco. Oh, well, either way. Vegas did win, pick. though. They're both great picks. Uh, my lock of the week, man, I hate this so much. I hate it so much. I know it's going to bite me. Give me the Cowboys minus four and a half against Carolina. I, look, Sam Darnold, a product of the CMC dump-offs, as everyone knows. He's going to have a rough game. I'm starting to believe this, this Cowboys hype, and that's why I know they're going to let me down. I know for a fact Carolina's going to keep this game close, but – the way I saw Dallas play on Monday night, I really, I'm really drinking the Kool Aid right now. I, I'm loving Dallas minus four and a half at home. Big, you know what, Carolina? If 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 Carolina can win this game or cover this game, maybe I'll be a little bit of a bigger believer. So show me something, Carolina. But I'm trusting my Cowboys to to win uh, minus four and a half. That's a gutsy pick, Luke. That's gutsy. It is. I, I couldn't make gutsy. the pick. I couldn't do it. I didn't really trust either side, but. That's a game I'm excited for because I think both teams have a lot of a lot at stake, right? Both teams kind of fighting to to prove their legitimacy. Uh, the game that I was looking at was the Cincinnati and Jaguars game, Luke. I had to stay away from that. Oh. That's a big spread. Seven and a half no. points Thursday night. I'm excited for it. I haven't seen Trevor Lawrence play just yet, so I'll certainly be watching tomorrow. This feels like a game. If Jacksonville wins a game this year, it feels like that's a game they win because, yeah. you know, the Bengals are hot 2-1 and one off the bat. I don't expect them to be a playoff team, so I think they kind of take a step back. And it kind of feels like this is the game where they do it. You know, two young quarterbacks battling against each other. And I I think Urban Meyer might implode if he loses another game. Like, he might just he might just call it quits and just leave football forever. So I think they've got to win this game. Yeah, I agree. I could definitely see them keeping it close. Two toughest games for me this week. Cardinals at Rams. Seahawks at 49ers. Rams four-and-a-half-point favorites. San Fran minus two-and-a-half. That division, I will just I don't think I'm touching a single in division game there because all those teams, you just don't know who which teams are gonna show up, who's not gonna show up. That is the the division of death. And how about uh the Patriots in, in Tampa? I really love Tampa. I was thinking about taking the minus seven because I think Tom Brady's gonna go there and he's gonna wanna show out. Uh as much as he's he's talking like coach speak this week, which you know, usually he's pretty candid in his old age, but he's been kind of saying yeah, you know, it's a big game. They're going to cheer for their guys, blah, blah, blah. They didn't really talk about Bill Belichick. But I think internally, I think Bill Belichick and Tom Brady both would like to win this game. And that's why I couldn't pick the game, Luke, because both te- both guys hate each other's guts at this point. They want to win so bad and yeah. prove themselves right. I, I couldn't make the pick. I, I couldn't go either way. The points scare me, but also I don't think this, this Patriots seems very good, and I think that it's going to be a struggle for um, – Oh, for Mac Jones, again, because he's facing a legitimate defense. They're not going to be able to control him as much. You're missing James White. So maybe I should have picked Tampa minus seven. But then I look at it and I say Bill Belichick is going to do everything he can yeah. to keep it close. It's kind of like how you said that if the Jaguars win one game, it'll be Thursday. If 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 the Patriots really get up for one game, it's got to be this game. Like This has to be the game that Bill Belichick has circled that 
he's been paying attention to. Coming off a brutal loss against New Orleans, I could see them keeping it close. So I, I could see that. It'll be interesting, though. And there's a lot of juice for it. I wish the Patriots were a touch better, though, because then it'd be really fun. Yeah. Like At this point in I the know. season, the Patriots are a, an average team with a questionable quarterback. Their defense isn't quite there yet. And they're just going to go through a game and the, their season and probably be like 7-11 and 11 or 8-9. and nine. Yeah. And, and that'll wrap up all the time we have. Enjoy your football. Uh, no uh, head-to-head picks this week. So kind of sad we didn't go each other into anything. Um, I think mean, that speaks maybe highly next. about us as, as how we've grown as characters. This, uh... That's right. If, if you notice, Luke, I goaded you and got you to take Philly. You lost. You got me to take um, yeah. the Jets, and I lost. So I think we're, we're, yeah. we're learning. We're learning from our mistakes. Yeah, we're even for now. Uh, we'll see how the picks turn out Monday. Thanks for listening here on Twitch TV, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We will see you on Monday to break it all down.